Hello, everybody, and welcome in to the newest edition of the Just In Time Sports Podcast. I am your host, Justin Jackson, and in this week's episode, we'll be talking about the NFL, what's going down there. We'll touch on our NFL betting segment, Jack's Pack. We will talk about the NBA, what's happening as we ramp towards Christmas. We will touch on college football during its bowl season, and we will have our best for last. Now, don't forget to follow the social media handle at JTimeSports on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And also, don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe to the Justin Time Sports Podcast on iTunes and Spotify. Now, I hope you guys sit back and get ready to learn something. Welcome into the show. Absolutely packed show. We've got the NFL. We've got Jack's Pack with our NFL betting segment. We've got the NBA. We've got some college football. And of course, we have our best for last. But let's jump right into it, into the NFL, and talk about Thursday Night Football last night. Now, admittedly, I woke up this morning, didn't know how I was going to tackle this, didn't know what angle I was going to look at. And I could talk about how Tennessee found another way to beat a pretty good team without Derrick Henry. Um, first win in a few weeks for that Tennessee team. Uh, remember when Derrick Henry got hurt, they beat a good Colts team and they turned around and beat uh, beat a good Rams team, turned around and beat a good Colts team. So a lot of people were devaluing Derrick Henry. And then the offense went to a slump. So did the team. They lost a couple of games. Um, so last night was a big win for them. I could talk about how Mike Vrabel currently is my coach of the year. Because it's not a situation with Bill Belichick has his team, but he has a rookie quarterback. It was not a situation where, you know, John Harbaugh might not make the playoffs for the Ravens. Mike Vrabel still has a decent shot at the one seed and his best player, an arguable top five to seven player in football, regardless of position, has been injured for over the past month and they have only lost a couple of games of position. He's doing a bang up job coaching that defense and making sure that team is ready to play, ready to roll at any and all time. So, I could I could have took it there. I could have took it there. But I decided not to. I'm going to take it to the Jimmy Garoppolo angle. San Francisco fans, you know what I know. What Kyle Shanahan ultimately knows. What John Lynch ultimately knows. What everyone who watched that game, who's been watching his career since he was in New England, ultimately knows that Jimmy Garoppolo is not your guy. Jimmy Garoppolo is so much not your guy, you traded heaven and earth to get Trey Lance. Now, reportedly, you were going to go Mac Jones, and then the media and the fans talked you out of it and basically bullied you into a different pick. Looking back on it, you, you were right. Mac Jones is considerably more developed than Trey Lance. Lance looks lost and confused when he comes to the game. Uh, that's when, I mean, like he only had 17, 17 starts in college, I believe, and didn't play his and didn't play football for basically two years. Um, so it's understandable that his mental uh, progression will be a little bit behind a guy like Mac Jones, who not only played uh, all time season in Alabama for the one year, he rolled from Nick Saban right into Bill Belichick, um, rolled from a guy like Sark as his OC right into Josh McDaniels. Um, he, but he was in Sox system for years. He played behind two other NFL quarterbacks and two Otago Valo and Jalen Hurts. Um, 
all those receivers, you know, he, he was much better set up for success immediately coming to the NFL. And his game wasn't predicated a lot on athleticism. Uh, a lot of Mac Jones' game was predicated on his IQ, his ability to throw people open, his anticipatory skills, and things of that nature. So when, when that situation occurs, you have a guy like Mac Jones ready to go. And I think that's what Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch saw. They saw a guy who they could roll out in training camp, and it'll take him a few weeks to get the playbook. Once he gets the playbook, he'll be great, especially in a run-based system like San Fran. But ultimately, the media talked him out of it, in my opinion, and they went to Trey Lance, who will be, I think, a great quarterback, but he's got to catch up on the mental side, which I have no doubt that he will do that. But back to Jimmy G, you traded heavy on, on heaven and earth, rather, to trade for Trey Lance or any quarterback in general. You traded for Mac Jones, but whatever. Last night was your reason why. I know there's I know there's a stat out that something like Kyle Shanahan's record is like five times better with Jimmy G than without. Okay. I mean, you know, when your other options are um, Nick Mullins, who we saw play for Cleveland. Um, who else has been the guy uh, under center when they haven't had him? Um, C.J. Beathard. You know, it's not like they've been a ton of elite talent behind uh, Jimmy G when he gets injured. So the record is, is worse. You know, you don't have the high level talent behind him to fill in and ready to play for him. And yesterday he was outplayed by Ryan Tannehill without Derrick Henry. Um, the run game wasn't spectacular, but the defense played well. And Jimmy G is just not your guy. Um, they I mean they can get out of his contract with like four million dollars of dead cap or something like that in the offseason. So I expect him to be either released or traded. Um But he's just he's just not the guy for San Francisco. I mean, you look at that division, you look at Kyler Murray, you look at Russell Wilson, you look at Matt Stafford, and then you have Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, you know, Kyler Murray is a top ten quarterback. Matt Stafford's a top seven quarterback. Russell Wilson's a top seven quarterback. How do you make Kyler Murray? You have three of the top seven quarterbacks in the NFL, in my opinion, all playing in your division, and you have Jimmy Garoppolo. He's just not the guy um, to lead San Francisco to, in my opinion, a championship. Now, he got to a Super Bowl, but what happened in that Super Bowl? He had Mahomes dead to rights, and he overshot Emmanuel Sanders by about two yards. Um, and Sanders had a step or two on the DB. Sanders scores that. Their Niners go up with a couple of minutes left. Mahomes is already kind of rocky. Hasn't really tapped, tapped in that Mahomes lot magic in that game. Other beside the Tyreek Hill throw. Um, and you probably win that game with a Super Bowl championship, Game of Garoppolo. And we're not even having this conversation. And that was, what, two years ago? And then now you're sitting where they are sitting, which is it's time to move on from Jimmy G. That's a fact. Um... You don't know if Trey Lance is ready. That's a question mark. You don't really know who's picking the players, John Lynch or Kyle Shanahan, although we think it's Shanahan, but John Lynch has GM title. Don't really know what's going down there. That's a fact. Um, Kyle Shanahan still is yet to really put his team over the other team without the Super Bowl run. That's a fact. Um, your defense is starting to get older and more expensive. That's also a fact. So they're going to have to figure something out in San Fran. I believe personally the move is move on from Garoppolo, eat the $4 million of dead cap. It'll free you up, though, probably another 10 to $12 million in cap space with Garoppolo not being on the roster. And that could be another Pro Bowl level free agent. Um, especially if you guarantee more of the money, that could be a Pro Bowl level free agent. That could be the running back that you could be seeking. That could be a, um, 
another offensive lineman. That could be a corner. You know, they little thin at corner. It could be a corner. Something like that for San Fran to really compete in the NFC West. Because right now, Jimmy G is just not good enough to do so. Um, so, it's John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan have decisions to make. I believe they made it. Um, I, I do believe they've already made the decision for Trey Lance to be the guy next year. But... They're going to have to see if they're going to make that move during this season or next. I would probably wait till next. Uh, let Jimmy Garoppolo finish playing because if he's playing decent enough, he'll have good trade value. And you can maybe move him um, to a Houston. Um, move him to a Giants, maybe. Move him to a Seattle if Russell Wilson decides to leave from Seattle. Move him to Green Bay if Green Bay decides to, uh, if Aaron Rodgers decides he wants out of Green Bay. Pittsburgh could use a guy. You know, so there's a few teams that he'll have good value for. Denver may be looking for a quarterback, too. Um, or should be looking for a quarterback themselves. New Orleans could be in the quarterback market as well. Um, so there's a few teams that could be in that market for his services. Dolphins, maybe. Um, if Jimmy G were to move on. If the 49ers, rather, were to move on from Jimmy G, which I believe they should. The now jumping into last week, we're going to talk about just a couple of games there. It was a pretty loaded week, pretty packed week. Uh, we ended up having football all week thanks to COVID. So, you know, we had the double Monday night game, well, Monday, well, Monday afternoon and Monday night game. Then we had the simultaneous um, Tuesday night games. Uh, so we had football all week and then we took an off day, obviously, Friday, back at it again with Thursday. Uh, college bowl games are today. And then we're going to jump right into a Christmas day with two games. And then Sunday, of course, the full Sunday slate. Um, so absolutely packed week of NFL football, and I enjoy it. Now, is it something that I want to see Tuesday night football? Maybe. You'd almost have to guarantee that team either have the Monday night the next week or they're off. So it could be a way where, like, before you're by. So you don't do Tuesday night every week, but before you're by, you have the Tuesday night game. So you play on Sunday. Then you have the extended time, you play on Tuesday night, and then you're off that next week. So that way, you know, players don't fight back like, oh, oh competition and rest, stuff like that. You either guarantee the Monday night game the next week or you guarantee them off. Um, because, I mean, in theory, though, you could play Tuesday night, Wednesday you're off, Thursday you're off, Friday you're off, Saturday you're off, and you can play Sunday. Um, because look at Sunday, think about it. So you can play Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday off. That's three days, and you play Thursday. If you play Tuesday, you can still play Sunday because Wednesday is one day, Thursday is one day, Friday is one day, Saturday is one day. So that's four days off. So you don't necessarily have to give them the buy. I just think the easiest way to push it through would be to give them the buy. But if you link it to the buy, then you couldn't have it every week. So, of course, bye weeks don't start before week 14 and they can't go after week 13 or start before week four after week 13. So if you link it to the buy, you couldn't go after the buy. Uh, you can only do this in certain parts of the year. Um, if they want to make it an every week thing, then they'd have to guarantee that team plays uh, Sunday. You know, there's there's no way you can play a Tuesday on Thursday. You know, they couldn't play Thursday. So that'd be something to look at from the NFL. The ratings were pretty good for it. Um, so maybe they want to pick it a special thing and they could tie it to the bye, or they could um, make it an every week thing. And just and sometimes the team may get the bye, sometimes they might not. You know, so it'd definitely be something to look at there. But back to last week, uh, talking about just a few of the games, the Indianapolis Colts played the New England Patriots in a very important contest. 
And we spoke about it last week. And I was like, in order for the Colts to have a legitimate shot at the playoff, at the division rather, and the playoffs, they're gonna have to start beating good teams. And um, and and conversely, on the side of the Patriots, I said they could basically put a stranglehold on the AFC East. Um, because if they would be Indy, then they would get Buffalo um, this weekend, and then beat Buffalo when it's over. You'd be three games up, owning the tiebreaker with three weeks left. Mathematically, they couldn't catch you, and the season would be over. But the Colts, the Colts came out with a game plan, um, and I spoke about it on the show last week. I was like, uh, Ben Okereke, um spoke about it to the media. With he told the plan, the plan was to make Mac Jones beat them. Um, they, they did not want to have Ramondre Stevenson at the time. They didn't know um, that a couple of the Patriots running backs were going to be out. So um, Damian Harris didn't play. Uh, but they did not want to let Damian Harris, Ramondre Stevenson, and the rest of their run game beat them. They were going to stack the box. They were going to do whatever they had to do to stop the run game because that was their first priority. Um, and I kind of chuckled. I was like, yeah, thanks for telling Bill Belichick how you want to beat them. Like, you know, thanks for giving the Patriots the heads up because that's the last thing you want to do is give the Patriots any additional information when they may not have to when they, you know they don't need it you know they're not a team that oh man I hope that they get more information like no um, they're the team that doesn't need um, they don't necessarily need more information to beat uh, a team and so I chuckled I laughed well the coach were the last team laughing they actually executed this plan um, really, really well. Um, they executed it stupendously well, actually. Mac Jones struggled the first three quarters, had two interceptions, including one bad one. Um, the run game was all but eliminated. Now it was put into a stress because Damian Harris did not play, uh, which conversely put a lot of stress on Ramondre Stevenson, added more workload to Brandon Bolden. Um, and he was a late scratch. So one of those things we didn't find out until right before game time. Um, and so it definitely put a damp, a damper on the game plan. And also the run game was limited because the Colts had a block punt. It's their second block punt of the season. Um, yeah, it was a second block punt of the season. Uh, a little bit of breaking news. Uh, the Lakers have signed Darren Collison. He is coming out of retirement. Uh, and reportedly, uh, last year, they spoke to Darren Collinson about coming out of uh, retirement. He considered a few teams and ultimately decided to stay retired. But now he has made the decision to come out of retirement and play for the Lakers on a 10-day deal. Um, so that is something that is a little bit of breaking news in the NBA. But shifting back to the Colts and the Patriots, um, like it, it kind of put the Patriots offense behind the eight ball because when you weren't running the ball well, you look up, you're down 14-0. Um, the offense had to move out of such a run-based attack. Uh, really went to short passing. Uh, even a little more intermediate passing. Led to Cup Magdalene's interception. And it allowed the Colts to play with the lead. Uh, at no point were the Colts behind. Maybe they had been for a couple of minutes, but they were never behind from long. Uh, Carson Wentz was pretty ineffective. He only threw 13 pass attempts. Um, only completed five of those. He was fairly ineffective. Uh, Jonathan Taylor was held to under four yards of carry until he had the game ceiling um, major run. But it was a big win for the Colts. Uh, for the Patriots, it puts a lot of pressure on this week's game. 
Um, but for the Colts, it keeps them in the hunt. You know, uh, Tennessee won last night, so they have to win again this week to keep pace. But they are effectively two games behind uh, because they lost both games. So they're effectively two games behind for the division lead. But they have a really good shot at the playoffs now uh, because they came through a stretch. I thought they were going to go one four. They came out of that stretch three and two. So that is huge for the Colts to try to get into the playoffs. And for Mac Jones, it gets his rookie game out of the way. You know, and, I, and I've spoken about it before that every rookie is going to have a game. You know, especially a quarterback, if they have any talent, they're going to have a major game. They're going to have a 275-yard, three-touchdown, no-pick, you know, quarterback rating above 130. You know, they're going to have one of those games, you know. What Mac Jones was due for his, well, rookie game, which was he's going to have a two-pick, can't-score, struggles kind of game because it's bound to happen against somebody. And Indianapolis Colts defense is a very worthy candidate to have that happen against, and that's how it occurred. Another huge game for multiple reasons. Uh, had a big hand in a lot of different ways. It was Green Bay versus Baltimore. Um, obviously, this game lost a little bit of its luster with Lamar out. Um, and per a couple of reports, a couple of sources, is Lamar's not going to play this week as well. Um, and so we'll get to that a little later. But it, it took a little bit of steam out of it because it wasn't Aaron Rodgers versus Lamar Jackson. It was Aaron Rodgers versus Tyler Huntley. And Tyler Huntley did his best goddamn Lamar Jackson impression, i tell you that. Um, played absolutely well, especially in that first half. Um, Greg Roman had a great game plan for him, and he executed well. He did something no quarterback has done, which is two rushing touchdowns and two passing touchdowns in the same game, not even Lamar Jackson. Um, and so very effective game plan from Greg Roman um, to really attack that uh, Packers defense and he came down to a two point conversion now here's what I want to talk about I'm not going to talk about Aaron Rodgers through a couple of amazing throws especially the one of uh, Valdez scaling through the middle of the field it was insane I'm not going to talk about how Greg Roman deserves a lot of credit I and mean, he needs to get more credit he needs to get as much credit as he gets blamed when things go wrong he needs to start getting the amount of credit when things go right especially with Tyler Huntley at quarterback I'm not going to talk about how John Harbaugh is a very valuable coach of the year. I'm not going to talk about how the Ravens GM did a great job building the team or how Brian Gutenkunz deserves a lot of credit for that Packers team, especially that pick of A.J. Dillon. I'm not going to talk about that. What I'm going to talk about is, well, John Harbaugh, but from a different angle. I'm not going to discuss him as a coach of the year candidate. I'm going to discuss him as a GOAT of the year candidate. Not, G, not big G, GOAT, as in greatest of all time. GOAT as in small G, as in he blew two games. Against the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Ravens' offense was struggling. And you finally get into a position where you tie the game, you can go to overtime. It's not that the Pittsburgh offense was doing anything special or really attacking you or dicing you up. They were just struggling the same as you were. And you decide, screw it, we're going for broke right now. We're going to win this game. Two-point conversion. You did a basic play action, roll out boot, designed to hit Mark Andrews on the flat, have Andrews beat whoever he was going to do to the corner. Okay. He got blown up because T.J. Watt made a great play. He, he, The block didn't come over. He dodged it. He was right in the throwing lane. Lamar misfired the ball, hit Andrews on a couple of fingers, and it falls to the ground. Basically, Steelers win the game. Okay. So you get into this game with Aaron Rodgers, and you fight back, and you battle, and you scrap and scrape with Tyler Huntley and the rest of the crew, and he's fighting and scraping. 
and you get to a situation where you're down one 31 to 30 and you have the opportunity to kick the extra point to effectively play for overtime. You would have about 40-some seconds left. Could Rodgers have gotten him in the field goal range and Crosby made the kick? Possibly. Um, but, you know, you knew for a fact that if you don't get this, the game's over. And you go for it. And you effectively run the same play to get effectively the same result. A misfire and you lose the game. Let's just say you go one and one in that situation. Let's say you beat Pittsburgh, lose to Green Bay. Let's say you beat Green Bay, lose to Pittsburgh. Hmm. You're still number one in the AFC North. You're a top four seed. You host the first time playoff game. And a lot of your pressure as Lamar missing games right now is a little bit off because you'd have a, you'd have an advantage. Instead, you blew both of those games. Neither one of those two two point conversions worked out. And you're coming back to the mean. It's sort of like when Baltimore had a stretch where every fourth and two they were going for it, they were getting it, it felt like. Now they're coming back to the mean. Uh, the Chargers had a streak of fourth kind conversions where they felt like they couldn't miss. Now they can't get one because you're coming back to the mean. Eventually, you come back down to earth. And right now, Baltimore is going through a stretch where they're coming back down to earth. And I didn't like the decision against Pittsburgh. Kick, kick the extra points. It's not like Pittsburgh's offense was giving it to you. Now, and using that same logic, yeah, going for two with Tyler Huntley, more injuries, um, fewer players you trust, and Aaron Rodgers on the other side. Okay, I can see where you are saying, okay, let's just go for it here because we don't want to go into an overtime period, put our defense back on the field, or have Huntley go out there to try and be, you know, it's, it's, it was a lot. Uh, so I can kind of get your logic on the second one, but I didn't understand the Pittsburgh one. And to be honest, I didn't understand the decision against the Packers. I, 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 I get it. I can get the reasoning, but I would not have done it. Um, and it came back to bite them. It's, it's, so it's a situation where Harbaugh has to reevaluate that strategy and see if it's truly the best strategy to win games going forward. Because uh, right now he's 0 for 2 in that decision. And of course, we have to talk about the shock of the week, a game that I picked. I kind of want to get my rule here in the Jacks pack with this game, and I picked Arizona to cover the 12 and a half. Uh, if Detroit said watch this and absolutely smacked Arizona, Dan Campbell, we spoke about it all year. This team does not get blown out. Um, they fight for Dan Campbell. They're, they could be down 20 points in the fourth, and they're going to make it a six-point game, a four-point game. They're going to make it to where the other team is sweating bullets the last minute of the game. You know, against San Fran, for instance, they were down a massive number in the fourth, and they're onside kicking it to get the ball back down less than a possession. You know, it's, it's like it, it's just a massive amount of heart and fight in this team for Dan Campbell. And Kyler Murray, he lost a little bit of his juice, and it happened to him last year. They were hot out the gate, flying out the gate. He gets nicked. They never truly recover, um, and they don't make the playoffs. This year, they have to win one of their next three games in their end, so they're pretty much in the playoffs. Um but now they have to figure out, okay, DeAndre Hopkins is hurt. He's not coming back to presumably the NFC Championship game of the Super Bowl if they get there. Kyler Murray is not his full length of, you know, full abilities to scramble around and scamper. He's got a couple of bum ankles. And it's looking like they've lost their juice again, where they're going to have to find a way to this time backslide into the playoffs and then move on from there. Um... The Detroit Lions, like I said, those guys have a lot of heart over there. They fight for Dan Campbell. They're always scrapping, and they punch the Arizona team in the mouth, and Arizona didn't fight back. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury was visibly and audibly frustrated after the game. 
um, and understandably so, considering what they were going through and what happened to them in Detroit against a, a much inferior team in the Detroit Lions. But up next, we're going to shift to this week of NFL football and talk about what's going down there. guys welcome back into the show and now we're going to keep talking about the nfl but we're going to jump to this current week so obviously it started last week with thursday night football we tucked on the pre touched on rather in the previous segment now we're going to jump to this week and the nfl has no longer decided to hand christmas day to the nba so it was one of those things where thanksgiving you knew it was the it was, it was the nfl all day and then christmas barring it was on a sunday was the it was the NBA all day? It was 11 a.m. to midnight, you know. Or if you're on the East Coast, it was 12 to you know uh, a little bit like one in the morning. And we're gonna talk about the NBA a little later. Um, but now the NFL has decided we're not only gonna hand you Christmas. So now if it's on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, or even Monday, the NFL is gonna play. Now if Christmas is on a Tuesday or Wednesday. Obviously, they're not going to play because that's not a traditional day. And even on Fridays, not either. But they're no longer just handing uh, the NBA a day of TV. They're going to put two games on Christmas Day for the NFL this year. Uh, it's going to start off with a huge game, massive game, Indianapolis and Arizona. And you spoke about both of these two teams earlier. Um, for Indianapolis, they're still trying to catch Tennessee, who won last night. So they got to keep pace with Tennessee in order to try and, get, try and steal the division back in the last couple of weeks. Or they're trying to get in a wild card for the AFC, which is an absolute boat race to try and figure out who's going to be in the wild card in the AFC because, you know, Buffalo and New England is going to be in the wild card. Um, when you're looking at Colts or Tennessee is going to be in the wild card. You look at um, Vegas has a shot at it. Denver has a shot at it. Chargers have a shot at it from the AFC West. And, of course, the AFC North, you've got somebody's going to win. And then you've got Pittsburgh, Baltimore, or Cincinnati, whoever doesn't win fighting for one of those wild card spots. So it's going to be an absolute mad dash to the finish in the AFC. So it's going to be huge uh, for Indianapolis to try and win this game. Um, it is in my Jacks pack, so I will not pick it um, right now, but it is a massive game. Um, and you look at this on, from the Arizona side, win and they're in. I mean, they're, I mean, pretty much. They win, they're in. They're, I mean, they're, I don't, I'm not can't remember if they're automatically in with the win, but I do know for a fact that at that point, that magic number becomes, if it's not zero with the means they're in, that magic number becomes one. Either another win or a loss by basically anybody um, would get them in. So this is a huge game for them. Christmas come early to Arizona. They haven't been in the playoffs in a few years um, for the Cardinals. And like I said, Kyler Murray is dealing with an ankle. You do have no D-hop. So this would be a huge situation because if they get in the playoffs and they lock in the playoffs, do you consider sitting Kyler Murray? Um, and I know it's something that Cliff Kingsbury would have to think about. I know it would be brought up. Like, let's say they clinch. Let's say the Rams lose and the Cardinals win. And the Cardinals have this two games up lead with two left. You know, it's pretty much at that point, they're going to win the division. You, the one seed's probably out. So at that point, do you consider sitting Kyler Murray for the rest of the regular season? Make sure both ankles, make sure the ankles are healed. Make sure he's ready to go. 
at least sit him the last game of the year. I don't expect Kyler Murray to play the last game of the season unless they need the game for some reason. Um, because you, the week off would be spectacular to try and heal that ankle. Um, because he has, to me, lost a little bit of his juice, uh, a little bit of his mojo. And so being able to sit him uh, would be huge for the Cardinals. So this is a massive game because you don't know just how healthy Kyler is. And I don't think he's that healthy. Uh, like I say, it, it reminds me a lot of last year. Um, it's a huge game. Kind of a conflict of styles in this game as well. Indianapolis is a run first team. Yeah, they traded for Carson Wentz, but that was more to make the plays Phillip Rivers couldn't, which was down the field, uh, to stretch the safeties back, to pull those corners back, to allow a guy like Jonathan Taylor, who's my dark horse MVP and not a very dark horse uh, candidate to, um, MVP candidate rather, to make plays and to really fight and scrap um, for yards and have the room to make big plays because the safeties are back. Um, and then you look at Arizona. Cliff Kingsbury air raid. Now, the more he's in the NFL, the more it looks like a traditional spread instead of just a fire away, guns away air raid, even though Kyler does throw a bunch of what I would consider passes considered as runs, which is a little bit of curls, bubble screens, smoke screens, one step slants, things like that, that are easy completions that are designed to get four to five yards, similar as a first down run. Um, and so the more he gets into the NFL, the more it is traditionally handing the ball off on first down. Or in run scenario, instead of a little smoke screen or a bubble screen or something like that, it is a um, traditional handoff. So it's a conflicting is conflicting styles on offense and on defense. Uh, the Colts' defense is designed to turn the ball over. It's designed to run stop first. Arizona's defense was a run stopping defense when they had J.J. Watt, but now they've kind of transitioned without Watt to more of a put you in a bad spot so the pass rushers like Chandler Jones and um, Buda Baker can run in the middle of the field and stuff like that. So they've shifted to more of a pass stopping defense. So it's going to be a very interesting style because the Colts' defense doesn't really match up well against the Cardinals offense, but the Cardinals defense doesn't really match up well against the Colts offense. So we're definitely going to keep eye, eye, our eye rather on that. And the other Christmas Day game is the Cleveland Browns versus the Green Bay Packers. Um, huge game. Like I said, the games, it's like every game we talk about is going to be massive for the playoffs, which they are. Um, the Cleveland Browns, if you look at them, they're fighting for the AFC North crown. And they have an outside shot at it, a very outside shot. But more importantly, they're fighting for a wild card spot. Uh, if you're a Baker Mayfield, you're fighting for a playoff spot and for your contract to look a lot bigger than it probably would right now if if offered and agreed to. And so this is another game in Jack's pack, so he won't pick it. Um, but you look at the Packers. You're trying to secure that one seed. Last year, Aaron Rodgers said he wanted, well, he's been saying it for years, I want to get somebody into Lambeau in January in the championship game. He got Tom Brady. And the Buccaneers won the game. Now, not really thanks to Tom Brady. Tom Brady three picks on basically consecutive possessions. But um, they got somebody in there and it didn't work out. So I'm sure Aaron Rodgers is thinking all offseason. I want to redo on that scenario. And he has a very good chance right now to secure the one seed and to make sure not only they get the bye to help heal his toe, but then they also would have the advantage of never leaving Green Bay unless they're flying to L.A. for the Super Bowl. So it's going to be very interesting to watch that game. Again, we won't pick it. It will be in Jack's pack. But if you're Cleveland, you've got to figure out a way to stop that run game. I mean, both teams are going to stop the run. Um, 
Aaron Rodgers has been playing very good football lately, but it's it's been a kind of a byproduct of AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones running people, just running people into submission. It's been kind of brutal, actually. They've been uh, deploying AJ Dillon at a very good pace. Um, he's been deployed in multiple heavy packages, and they've just been run, bowling over people. And then you've got Aaron Jones coming out of the backfield. He's in the slot. He's outside. He's getting traditional handoffs himself, and so it's going to be very hard to contain. Flip it on Cleveland side, they've got Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, which is, to me, the best one-two punch in football. Kareem Hunt's a starting running back in the NFL for a lot of teams. Um, and he's the second back in Cleveland. And then, of course, you've got Nick Chubb, who's the top three running back in the league. Um, him, Derrick Henry, Jonathan Taylor, probably my three. Dalvin Cook has a shot at it. CMC's always hurt. Alvin Kamara's in that group as well. Um, in, that, in that first three, he's maybe top four running back in the league. Um, but, you know, you've got Chubb and you've got hunt and so their system is based on the run as well it's a very their passing offense is very timing based um because it's set up off the run okay play action one two hitch ball should be out kind of thing on the passing game and on the run game they have to be able to run the ball or baker mayfield's going to get thrown asunder uh under that green bay pass rush but again we will not pick it because it will be in jack's pack along with this next game and the game after that that we're going to discuss um, Baltimore and Cincinnati and we talked about the importance of this game a little bit from what it means to each team and if you look at it Cincinnati thrashed Baltimore in MNT Bank Stadium um, it was it was 41-15 it was a score Gami, which was a never a never before seen score it's like 41-15 or something um, it was brutal uh, what happened there Joe Burrow Jamar Chase pitched the ball over the yard Lamar Jackson can never get going um, and Cincinnati sent a message to not only the AFC North but to the NFL that they're legit. Um, and and so I, you look at it on both sides again. Baltimore, you went you're going in more shorthanded than you were last week. Uh, they had 13 uh, active players on defense for practice at one point during this week. Um, Lamar is not going to play. He hasn't practiced all week. Hell, Tyler Huntley didn't practice today with a non-COVID illness. I don't even know who the third quarterback is in Baltimore. It used to be RG3, but that was, you know, that was years ago. Um, that was last year. I don't even know. Uh, they, Trace McSorley, I don't think he's there anymore. So, I don't even know who the third quarterback is in Baltimore. Um, hopefully, they don't need him. Hopefully, Tyler Huntley can get on the field and play and against Joe Burrow and the rest of the crew. But that's what you're looking at on Baltimore side. You're even thinner. So now I spoke about John Harbaugh. If he gets in a situation where he's down one or he's, you know, and two-point conversion time, does he do it again? Um, because he doesn't want to have his defense with the limited amount of reps that these guys have or the limited amount of available bodies, put them in a spot having to defend another potential quarter. You know, that's asking your team for a lot. Flipping on the Cincinnati side, you got to win this game. You got to win this game. You escaped Denver last week, 15 to 10. Your offense didn't look right the entire time. Um, slightly attributed to Joe Burrow's hand, in my opinion. But you've got to win this game because then you would have, you would possess sweeps over Baltimore and Pittsburgh. And I know I spoke about how, you know, yeah, the old, the new guys like Joe Burrow and Jamar and Higgins and the rest of that crew doesn't really under, you know, doesn't have that history. You know, Burrow's from Ohio doesn't have that angst that fans might have that 50 year old fans might have that man we can't beat baltimore we can't beat pittsburgh you know that that sort of thing and we're struggling to beat cleveland 
And now, if you already swept Pittsburgh, you blew out Baltimore. So if you beat Baltimore again, you would be 4-0 over the Steelers and the Ravens for the first time in probably decades, um, if ever. So that is huge for uh, Cincinnati to try and pull off. Um, you know, Joe Burrow is still in the race for comeback player of the year. He was not a pro bowler, which kind of shocked me, although he's in the AFC. I mean, who is he going to take out? Uh, those AFC quarterbacks are pretty loaded. Um, and so that was interesting that Joe Burrow did not make the uh, Pro Bowl, but Jamar Chase did. And remember the debate between Jamar Chase and Penesol? Penesol was not a Pro Bowler. Jamar Chase had the chance to break every rookie receiving record that exists. Um, so great pick. Um, great suggestion from Joe Burrow to pick up Jamar Chase rather than going with Penesol, um, who would not have been a bad pick. Penesol has played really good football, especially of late. But he, he doesn't have the impact Jamar Chase is, is having currently. But we will pick a winner of this game in Jack's pack. And now we will shift uh, to Denver and Las Vegas. We talked about the AFC North a minute ago. Now I'm going to talk about two teams scrapping in the AFC West. Now, there is no chance of winning this division. It's locked up. It's sewed up. It's, it's the Chiefs. It's just not mathematically over, but the Chiefs are going to win the division. Um, and so these teams are one of those teams I said fighting with an Indy, uh, fighting with a Cleveland, fighting with the whoever doesn't win out of Baltimore, Cincinnati for those three playoff spots. Pittsburgh as well, um, fighting for those three playoff spots, uh, wild card positions. And so Denver suffered a tough loss last week, um, fifteen to ten to the Bengals. I just spoke about it. Um, and then you have a team in Vegas who were. Um, to be kind, summarily embarrassed by the Chiefs not that long ago, and so they're looking for a big, a big time win um, at home against a division opponent. Um, you know, you would have at that point uh, comfort. You know, yes, that's another game up on the team, and they're both fighting for that's like it. One of those three wild card spots. Tiebreakers will be huge. Um, and so if I'm a Vegas, I'm trying to push that Chiefs loss out of memory and trying to go scrap. Vegas also just, but they did win in Cleveland uh, the following week. So they got embarrassed by the Chiefs. Then they beat Cleveland, um, which is a team that they would be scrapping for. We spoke about it last week, scrapping for one of those wild card spots. And that, and that was tiebreakers would be important. Now they get a big game against Denver. Um, so Denver, like I said, 15 to 10 L to Cincinnati. Potential wildcard team. Vegas beat Cleveland, potential wildcard team. So both these teams are kind of going in opposite directions, but both fighting for the same thing. This game is massive. We will not pick it. It is in Jack's pack. Um, but huge game in the AFC West and the AFC in general. And in my opinion, the biggest game in the NFL next week um, is the Buffalo Bills and New England Patriots. Now, we all know what happened the last time. Uh, New England won the game with the fewest amount of pass attempts since 1970-something. Uh, three. Mac Jones threw three passes. And to be honest, he only threw two memorable ones, so two meaningful passes. Uh, the first one was the little slip play to John o. Smith that if Mac Jones hits him in the chest, John o. Smith probably still running. Um, so there was nobody out there with him. He had to kind of jump up, dive, and catch it. I think he would have beat – I think there was one person out there. I think he would have beat him, and that would have scored. Um, and then there was one, the incomplete one, as well was kind of a two three yard pass um the other one was a screen that was effectively a long handoff there was two meaningful pass attempts but a total been officially three pass attempts um 
there was one point where the Patriots rushed about 31 times. You know, we all remember the Buffalo Bills players about Micah Hyde being very upset in the post-game interview when asked if that was embarrassing. Um, and this game is huge. New England wins this game. The AFC, the AFC East is over. Um, and I'm not sure if that's officially over, but they'll have effectively a three-game lead with 16. So with, it'll be over. Um, they have a three-game lead with three weeks left. So the AFC East race would be over. Um, and Buffalo at that point would jump into that mix with, like I said, Cleveland, whoever doesn't win the AFC North, uh, Denver and Las Vegas uh, fighting for, and the Colts uh, fighting for those three wildcard spots. Um, so absolutely massive game for the Buffalo Bills. Um, it is not in Jack's pack. We will pick it. Uh, I'm going to go in New England here to win this game and to end uh, Buffalo's shot at the AFC East. And the reason I say that is I know the Bills in terms of, and I know people like that. They were summarily embarrassed. And then they turn around and get lost to the Bills. And then they turn around to the Bucks. Um, those guys are going to be fighting. They're going to be scrapping to try and get some semblance of revenge on the Patriots. Um, and for the Patriots, Mac Jones played really well in that fourth quarter. And you pretty much played as worst as you played all season on offense, besides maybe the Saints game. And you were right there at the end. I mean, they were onside kicking it, if I remember saying it correctly, with 30, uh, with down four. So if you're the Patriots, you believe you can win this game. The run game should be back. Buffalo Ravens may have a run-stopping defense. They do, but it can be had, obviously. Um, and then, no Trey White is really putting the stress on their pass defense. So, Mac Jones should be able to take advantage of that. Um, but it wouldn't shock me if Buffalo wins. I would pick. I'm picking New England. But if Buffalo wins, it's because Josh Allen had a great game. And he just he's he's due for one of those up games. He's had a couple downs. Um, he's due for one of those 130 rating kind of games. So we're definitely going to see uh, about that. But I have New England winning that game by about seven. Um, somewhere 24-17 or 27-20. And just some quick hitters. Uh, the New Orleans Saints going through a little COVID issues. They've uh, placed uh, Trevor Simeon and Taysom Hill on, on the COVID list, along with a couple other players, which means Ian Book, the fourth-round pick rookie out of Notre Dame, will get the start for the Saints. Um, who's just signed Blake Bortles as his backup. So Bortles will serve as the backup for um, Ian Book on Monday Night Football against the Dolphins. Um, the Ravens, we spoke about their issues earlier. They had 13 players on defense at practice recently. Um, absolutely going through the ringer. Like I said, no Lamar Jackson probably Sunday. Um, the fact that they've held it together this long is a minor miracle. Shout out to John Harbaugh and the rest of that coaching staff, Wing Martindale and um, Greg Roman. The Seattle Seahawks are still struggling to do anything well. That's not going to get to Russell Wilson. And not even Russell Wilson's going through the ringer. Um, I think he came back a little early from his finger injury. And now he's suffering the effects of it. Maybe I don't know if his grip is wrong. But something's not right with him. Um, and they are not playing well at all. Um, they will, they secured their first losing season on Tuesday in the Russell Wilson era. They can go a max of 8-9. Because um, last time they were losing, had a losing record, they drafted Russell Wilson. Um, so we're definitely going to uh, keep our eye on what the move is in Seattle this offseason. Is Pete Carroll going to go? Russell Wilson going to go? Is both going to go? Um, so we're definitely going to keep our eye on that. And sticking in the NFC West, Cam Akers has been designated to return five months um, after tearing his Achilles, which is usually a year-long injury, if not 18 months. He's trying to come back in six, basically. 
um, which definitely tells me it was not a complete tear by any means. Um, so we're going to definitely keep our eye on Cam Akers and his return, which will be huge for the Los Angeles Rams because all season they have been trying to replace Cam Akers. Um, so if he comes back and he's healthy and ready to go, huge, huge boost for the Los Angeles Rams and their attack. But up next, we're going to shift to our NFL betting segment, Jack's Back. and welcome back into the show and now we're gonna jump into our nfl betting segment jack's pack on this christmas eve um went two and three last week really been fighting that two and three three and two bug um can't really seem to get over that hump you know we had that we had that four and one then at five and oh then we had the bounce back after a couple of bad weeks but now we're sitting around two and three three and two fast few weeks um, we're going to have the overall record of 35 and 40, so we're a little bit under 500, um, sitting around 47, 48%. Um, but we're going to get back on track. We're going to get back on track. Like I said, we're going to trying to get you guys 500 for the, to the end of the season and then look at the playoffs. We're going to smack the playoffs. We do it every year. Um, and so now let's jump right into the games. We spoke about it a lot in detail. Indianapolis, Arizona, Indy plus one at Arizona. Take Indianapolis. Um it's from health. It's purely for health reason. Now, Quentin Nelson did go on the reserve COVID list, so that will affect the left side of that offensive line. Um, so I expect a lot more pressure on that Carson Wentz's left defense's right side um, to try and take advantage of whoever's going to take the place of Quentin Nelson. However they shuffle it around, whoever the new person is, I believe is going to be attacked um, instead of just, you know, playing it like Quentin Nelson's there, you can maybe attack that gap a little more. Um, that A gap on his side, the B gap on his side. Um, definitely attack that side a little bit more. Try and change because there's no longer that kind of continuity. Try to make some stunts. Guys not used to doing different things with each other. You know, I expect Arizona to try and attack it. But it comes down to Kyler Murray's health. And right now, I don't trust it. Um, so I'm going to go with Indianapolis plus one to win the game outright uh, by about three or four. And Arizona's two to three losses this year, or three to four losses are at, are at home. They lost to the Lions, which is their first road loss of the season. They lost to Green Bay at home. They lost to the Rams at home. Um, so if you're going to get Arizona, it seems we got to get them in Arizona. Browns at Packers. Packers minus two and a half. Give me the Packers. I didn't get this line. This is one of those lines that confuses me every week. It feels like Vegas kind of throws out two or three lines that... Oh, whoa. Breaking news in the NFL. Massive news about this game. Doesn't change my mind. But the, about this game, Baker Mayfield, Case Keenum, Jarvis Landry, A.J. Green, and Ife Udingbo have all been activated by the Cleveland Browns from the reserve COVID list. Huge, huge news um, for the Cleveland Browns. That doesn't change my mind like at all. But it, it is massive news uh, for the Browns in terms of now they're going to have their starting quarterback and Baker Mayfield on the field uh, for the team. So huge, huge, huge. Uh, he will be on the field Christmas Day for the Cleveland Browns. Absolutely massive news for Cleveland because I like Gary Gilbert. I, I think he's a good person. I, he's 
been reportedly a great teammate as a backup for years, especially in Dallas. Uh, but no, he's not. He's not as good as Baker Mayfield. Case Keenum is, but he's not as good as Baker Mayfield. So now Baker being on the field, Packers minus two and a half, still feel like a bad number. Really feel like that should be Packers minus five and a half. Um, but take the Packers there, minus two and a half over the Browns, even with Baker Mayfield and Jarvis Landry and the rest of the those guys coming back. Ravens at Bengals, Bengals minus three. Take the Bengals. Um, I just think they're going to win this game by four, actually. I had it 28-24 or 27-23 in my score predictions. So it's actually pretty ironic that it was um, a three-point game. Um, but that is what I believe the Bengals are going to do. We spoke about this game in detail. It's Tyler Huntley. You know, like it's kind of like the Bengals just ran through them last time in in Baltimore with Lamar and the crew. Now you're going to add more injuries, including Lamar Jackson, to a team in Cincinnati. Halo might be worse than my score prediction. Um, but I've got the Bengals here easily m- minus three over the Baltimore Ravens. And my fourth game, you guys know the number I love the most. It's the best number to do because it's basically like playing money line, but you're doing the point spread. You get the odds even better. It is even games, even half points, one points. Those are, those are my games um, because it's very hard to get one point. You can't get a half a point and even is even. Um, you just pick the winner. So Broncos at Raiders, the line is even. I'm going to go with the Raiders here um, to win this game. And I, cause I think they need, I think they wanted a little bit more than the Broncos. Um, Drew Locke's going to start. So it's Drew Locke versus Derek Carr. I'm going to go with uh, Derek Carr in that matchup. Coaching is about what and what. Denver has a better defense. Raiders has a better offense. Um, so I'm going to go with the Raiders to win the game, primarily because it's at home in the Death Star. And then the Dolphins minus one and a half at the Saints. Take the Dolphins. This one was easy. And I get it to New Orleans on a Monday night, so the atmosphere would be insane, fresh off Christmas. Um, but Ian Book, first start against that defense. The Dolphins are one of not the hottest team in the NFL, winners of six straight. Um, you've got an absolutely aggressive defense. Now, the Saints defense may keep them in it. And you saw they did to the Tampa Bay offense. Tampa didn't score. Um, and two was obviously not as good as Tom Brady. Um, but I just think that Ian Book may not score more than 10, 13 points. And so that would mean the Dolphins have to score 14, which I believe they can get to that number. I believe two can get to that number. Probably going to get a pick six off of Ian Book or a pick in the short field touchdown off of Ian Book. So I'm just going to say the Dolphins are going to win this game by about four. Um, 17-13 would be my score prediction. And so Dolphins cover the one and a half and win the game. So just to do a recap, you've got Indy plus one over Arizona. Packers minus two and a half over the Browns. Bengals minus three over the Ravens. Las Vegas even over the Broncos. And Dolphins minus one and a half over the Saints. Now up next, we're going to shift to the NBA and talk about what's going down there. Welcome back into the show, and now we are going to talk about the NBA, what's going down there. Um, we should rename the NBA the Omicron League because um, it's running rampant through the NBA still. 
um, throwing a damper on some of the Christmas Day games, which we'll talk about the slate a little later. Um, but some positive news to start off with. CJ McCollum, he suffered the collapse lung uh, a few weeks ago. His lung has completely healed uh, per the team. His collapsed right lung is completely healed per the team. He'll be reevaluated in one week to start his process to return back to the court. Um, so great news to hear about that. That's huge. Um, huge for him personally, but huge for the Blazers as well. They're struggling. Dame's heating up, but the team is cooling off. Um, and so getting McCullum back to help Dame out would be massive uh, for the team. And it also makes McCullum tradable. Um, you know, the Ben Simmons stuff is heating up daily. Um, and so it, it'll make CJ McCullum tradable. It's one of those, you know, there are certain landmarks that they have to hit because you can't trade, you know, a recently signed restriction. You can't trade them for 60 days. Uh, recently traded restriction, they can't move for 90 days, something like that. So now that more of the league is becoming eligible, uh, the first closer you get to trade deadline, the more likely the Ben Simmons trade is to occur because you can get more uh, players back in the deal. More players can be moved if it needs a four team or a five team or something like that uh, deal for it to occur. But huge news for the Portland Trailblazers. And like I said, she did McCullum personally with his collapsed right lung healing. Uh, the Staples Center era is officially over. Sad news in Los Angeles. Um, here on out, starting Christmas Day, it will be officially called the Crypto.com Arena. Um, so the era of the Staples Center. 22 years uh, they, the Lakers have played inside Staples. I mean, oh man, the massive. In Kobe's entire career pretty much was in Staples. Um, Shaq and Kobe era was in Staples. Kobe's five chips were in Staples. Uh, so many memorable performances occurred in Staples. The concerts, the Grammys every year, everything was in the Staples Center. Now, of course, it's the same building, but the allure of, you know, when you heard Staples, when you heard, man, we're going to Staples Center, it was it was for a Lakers game. If you thought Staples Center outranked Staples, the company, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like Staples, the company was outranked by it being the Staples Center. It was it was sort of like. To me, it always be Staples. I don't see myself ever calling it the Crypto.com Arena too often. Um, to me, it always be Staples. And it, it's, it's sort of like in New Orleans, the Superdome. It's been uh, several sponsors over the past couple of years. It's the Superdome. Even now, it's the Caesars Superdome. But nobody calls it the Caesars Superdome. People call it the Superdome. Um, to me, the building will always be Staples. Um, I'm pretty sure the forum had multiple sponsors while it was in mass use. It was the it was the Western Forum, you know, like it was the Forum, um, and so to me it always be Staples. A lot of people are saying it always be Staples. Um, I'm sure Crypto.com paid a very pretty penny to get the naming rights away from Staples. Um, I don't see Staples pulling out of the contract. I think that you know Crypto.com in the crypto era pretty very pretty penny to get the the naming rights of that building away from Staples. Um, and the building's owned by the city. So could, could this be more motivation for the Lakers to get their own building? The Clippers are already moving out, building their facility in Inglewood, I believe. So is this more motivation for the Lakers to move out, get their own thing, maybe in Orange County or something, um, and get their own facilities, some state-of-the-art facilities with the Lakers brand. Who knows? Um, but the stable areas of it ended terribly. The Lakers got blown out. Um, in the last in the last game of the quote-unquote staple center um but man 22 years i mean i just you just the lob 
Kobe to Shaq Lob in Game Seven of the final Western of the NBA Finals, which they wore shirts commemorating that moment last night. I was in that building. Uh, Kobe retirement speech in that building. The two numbers, although a lot of the modern day numbers, retirees numbers were hung in that building, not the forum. Um, you know, so many great moments. I mean, even if you look at it on the on the Clipper side, Lob City, the greatest era of the Clippers organization was born in that building. <laughs> you know, um, man, massive in that era of Staples, which is an all time facility. Like I said, the Grammys every year in the Staples Center. Um, absolutely massive. Um, massive, massive, massive uh, impact on the sports world, the Staples Center. Like I said, Staples was referred to more in the, that building than the company itself. Um, so, RIP to the Staples Center era and ushering the crypto.com arena era uh, for Los Angeles basketball. And we're gonna definitely keep our eye on how many times people say Staples instead of crypto.com arena. Um, how often it's referred to as staples, you know, just by the common fan, myself included. Um, so it'd definitely be something that we'll keep our eye on. But the Christmas Day slate is packed. And now it's a little bit affected due to COVID. Um, for instance, Atlanta, New York probably will not feature, it will probably not feature Trey Young. Uh, he's still in protocols and it probably will not, fe- it won't feature Derrick Rose. He's injured. Um, although Kimba Walker put on a show last night, um, but it, it, you know, so that game lost a little bit of its luster. That's the first game. It's the 11 o'clock game. If you're Central Time, do all these time Central Time. Uh, the second game is Celtics Bucks. Now this one should be full fledged. I don't. And I know Giannis is back off protocols. Um, he's questionable to play in a game against Boston, but um, and then Boston, I believe they're pretty much whole. So this would be a, a, a full game. For you to watch uh, Boston and the Bucks. Um, very interesting that game. First game Atlanta, New York. I got the Knicks winning. They're, I mean, without Trey Young, Atlanta doesn't have much. Uh, Cam Reddish is playing his tail off, but I've got the Knicks winning that game uh, by about six. Celtics, Bucks. If Giannis plays, I got them winning by eight. If Giannis does not play, I have the Celtics winning by about four or five, um, even in Milwaukee. The big game. And it has no COVID issues at all. Warriors and Suns. Uh, top two teams in the West. Warriors at Suns. No COVID issues. So Steph's there. Uh, Chris is there. Aiden is there. Book is there. Um, Draymond's there. Wiggins is there. It's one of the last few games that the Warriors will be without Klay Thompson as the Warriors are targeting uh, home dates in January. Either the 8th or the 18th seems to be the target dates for Klay Thompson's return to the basketball floor. Um, who they're going to get even better. Wiseman shouldn't be too far behind Klay um, in terms of getting himself back. So he should be ready to roll by the time the playoffs start. So the Warriors, like I said, are going to get even better. But this game is massive because it, it this is the only game, in my opinion, truly unaffected by COVID. I think Celtics and Bucks are too, but the stars in this game on both sides are there. Uh, the coaches are there. You know, like I said, they have no issues right now as of right the second that I, I know there were issues with COVID. Um, and so that'll be probably be the game of the day, Warriors and Suns. Um, the game that was supposed to be the game of the day, Nets at Lakers is completely COVID racked. Um, James Harden is going to play. I, I don't think KD is. Obviously, Kyrie Irving's not going to. Um, and on the Lakers side, no Anthony Davis due to MCL sprain. And so it's just two, it's going to be basically two stars at two stars. 
uh, Katie and Harden at Russ and LeBron, and whoever is supporting Cass pitches in better is going to win the game ultimately. And like I said, this was supposed to be the game when the schedule came out. That was the game everybody circled as the NBA Finals preview, Nets and Lakers. Um, now, nah, I don't think either. Nah, I'm, I'm at the point where I don't think either team's going to make it. But even the luster of this game has been lost uh, due to the COVID and injuries. Um, like I said, no, no KD. Uh, or Harden's going to play. I don't know. I, don't, I, I don't, cannot remember if KD's going to play or not. I'm going to say no KD, though. Um, obviously, Kyrie Irving won't play. Um, and then, like I said, no AD due to MCL sprain. And then LeBron and Russ will be for the Lakers. Um, and then the nightcap, which lost a little bit its luster, is Mavericks at Jazz. Uh, Mavs are Lucas due to COVID and an ankle injury. Um, and the Jazz are, um, they, they should be pretty much close to full strength. So that'll be the nightcap. Um, so pretty good, pretty good Christmas Day slate. It was supposed to be a great Christmas Day slate. Ultimately, it's going to be just a good one uh, due to COVID and injuries. But um, all in all, I expect it to be a good day of basketball. Uh, the NFL is going to help us out a little bit with a pretty good schedule themselves. But like I said, all in all, I expect a good day of basketball. But up next, we're going to shift to college football and talk about what's going down there. show and now we're going to talk about college football and how they're being affected by COVID and other things but college football at the moment is being hit by COVID as well uh the big story being that two bowl games have now been permanently affected uh for the Hawaii Bowl it is currently canceled um because Hawaii ironically had to pull out because of COVID concerns with their program so they had to pull out of the bowl um game so at the moment they have no immediate immediate replacement for them um it goes down to five and seven schools um and then it's all about apr rankings and stuff like that um to see which school get in and the reason why i mentioned that one first instead of the big big story which was the gator bowl was because one of those teams got in uh the gator bowl was effectively canceled first um because texas a&m had to pull out of their program, had to pull out of the bowl game because according to the athletic director, they had 38 scholarship players, which the SEC requires 55 scholarship players to play a game. And a &M had 38 due to COVID, close contact tracing and positive tests. So they pulled out, um, which then of course opened the world of where well, the game gonna be played. Wake Forest deserves to play in a bowl game. They had a good year. What now? And so that, um, that put uh, up the rules. Uh, first, it came out that, okay, the game can't be played unless another game gets canceled. And then that team, depending on which bowl is higher, would now be invited to the Gator Bowl. Okay, great. Odds are, it turned out the Hawaii Bowl was going to end up being canceled. So in theory, whoever's going to play Hawaii in the Hawaii Bowl was going to then move up to the Gator Bowl, um, receive probably a bigger payout than they would have got from the Hawaii Bowl. And in turn, you know, all in well, maybe in the Hawaii Bowl for that year, those tickets probably get honored for the Gator Bowl. I don't know how they would have figured it out, but they would have figured something out. Um, just move the team up to the Gator Bowl. Well, 
turns out Rutgers um, stepped up quick because when uh, it was canceled, Wake Forest athletic director said he had several athletic directors calling saying we'll play. You know, um, even teams that already played in the bowl game that was brought up too. Um, so it was first. It was like okay, well, well, okay. The first thing was another bowl athlete canceled. Okay, well, I said that didn't happen. The other path was a team that already played in a bowl would could play in another bowl. They would just have to sign like a waiver, basically, um, stating that you know, basically waiver, like anything that would happen to the players, whatever, whatever wouldn't be held liable to the Gator Bowl, etc., um, because they already played in the bowl game. So a team like Louisiana Lafayette, for instance, that's a good football team. What if they decided we'll play in the Gator Bowl versus Wake Forest, sign a waiver, we'll all go play. The seniors will have one more game, and all those guys will have one more experience to go play in a bigger bowl in the Gator Bowl. Stuff like that, you know, another another opportunity for those seniors to play on their way out the door. Um, and so that was, you know, that was the end. And the uh, Wake Forest that director already said they had five to seven schools already calling to play, to willing to sign the waiver to go play in the Gator Bowl against Wake Forest. Um, and then the other option, which ended up being an option that happened, was five and seven schools, the APR score of a certain number, would be eligible to play in the bowl. And so it ended up being three or four schools who were five and seven with an APR number above 970, I believe. And Rutgers, being the highest APR score, had first dibs um, to the bowl game. They they were offered and ultimately accepted the bowl nomination to take Texas a spot and play Wake Forest in the Gator Bowl. Now... Uh, Rutgers probably would not get the full payout. I think it's three and a half million dollars. Uh, Rutgers in the Big Ten would not probably not get the full payout of it, um, but they will get a pretty decent chunk of it. They might get two million or two point two five million, which again is two point two five million they were not expecting to get. So it's a huge opportunity for multiple reasons, um, and that is uh, massive for the pro- for the Rutgers program because they're starting to build that program, turn it back around get it to a somewhat respectable program in the conference so that is huge for them but of course when this occurred and many people's eyes shifted to the football playoff what happens if the college football playoff is canceled by COVID? what happens if COVID impacts one of the teams well the way it appears the rules are if a team cannot play due to COVID in the playoff in a semifinal game the team they were playing automatically goes to the uh, to the national championship game if two teams in the same game both will get impacted by COVID the other game automatically turns into the national championship game winner is champion if three teams three out of the four teams are impacted by COVID the team not impacted by COVID automatically is declared the national champion um, and if the two teams get a championship game and one is affected by COVID the game is allowed to be moved up to a week or so that's like the 12th they're allowed to move it back uh, to give the team a chance at getting more players active for the championship game. So it, there is a scenario where three outbreaks happen and boom, the national championship, the national champion is declared. It's not even one on the field. It's old school AP declared, I guess, the 1990s again. Um, so teams trying to avoid that scenario, obviously, um, that would lose a lot of the luster. Even people who even the team who would win, let's say. Bama goes through an outbreak. Um, Cincinnati has one, and Michigan has one. And then, you know, Georgia's declared the champion. You know, it would feel a little cheap. Conversely, Cincinnati, you know, Bama, Georgia, and Michigan all have COVID outbreaks. Cincinnati's declared the national champion. 
would they would they represent it? Yeah, would they flaunt it? Absolutely. Uh, they'd be the first group of five team to win a championship in oh my god, since pre BCS era. Um, so they'd flaunt it and they'd show it, but it would feel a little cheaper than them beating Alabama, then turn around and beating somebody else. Um, so absolutely. So it, I, I don't think it's gonna happen. Three outbreaks is pretty unlikely, especially to the point where nobody uh, gets to nobody gets to play the games. Um, but that was a massive news inside of college football. And then lastly, of course, we have we're in the transfer portal era. Um, Kendis, Kendon Slovis is leaving USC. Uh, Bo Nix of Auburn has gone to Oregon. Uh, Jeff Bazelik of Missouri is out. Uh, he's leaving as well. And Emory, uh, Emory Jones, quarterback of Florida, is uh, expected to enter the transfer portal. It was rumors. A couple weeks ago, I reported on it that he was leaving Florida. Then he played the bowl game and the loss against UCF last night. Um, so no word if he's leaving the program or not um, officially. But he's expected to enter the transfer portal. And if he were to enter, make his decision incredibly quickly. Um, and it's just the era of the, of the quarterback. You know, um, Martinez left Nebraska. He's now at um, Kansas State. Um, obviously, Max Johnson left LSU. He's now at Texas A&M. Um, you know, uh, Calzada of Texas A&M, he's moving on. Um, so it's it's just if you're in a situation where you're not happy, you know, early in the offseason, Quinn Quinn Awers left uh, Ohio State. He's now at Texas. Uh, Spencer Rattler left Oklahoma. He's now in South Carolina. Um, so it's, it's an era, especially at quarterback. If you're not happy in your position, you can move on. Um, to a system that fits you better or opportunity that fits you better. I mean, the most famous, there's a few famous ones. Obviously, Joe Burrow uh, to LSU is the most famous one of recent note. Um, so that is something to definitely keep our eye on there. Kyler Murray, A&M to Oklahoma. Baker Mayfield, Texas Tech to Oklahoma. Jalen Hurts, Alabama to Oklahoma. Um, so it's just a few in the recent history of guys who have made the decision to transfer to a different situation ultimately worked out better for their careers. But now we're going to talk about our best for last, which is going to be a quick chat about Tiger Woods and his son, Charlie. back into the show um and now we're going to talk about a little best for last would be the coolest moment i've seen in a while was um tiger woods and his son charlie playing in that golf tournament uh first of all charlie's a beast uh let's start off with that not surprising his trainer is all gonna be the greatest golfer ever and he's got the dna of well, all gonna be the greatest golfer ever um there was a whole like i remember if it was 14 i believe where um, no one was trying to go straight. Everyone was trying to avoid. Um, everyone was trying to avoid that hole, basically because it was a, it was a water hazard. Um, people were trying to avoid it, so no one was going straight at the pin. Charlie goes straight at the pin and knocks it within five feet. 
Um, there was another shot where he almost dropped it right in the hole, almost had it for an eagle, ended up tapping it in for birdie. I mean, the kid's a beast. That kind of reminds me of Tiger. When Tiger was on the news at three years old, was a golfer. Like, he was just natural talent. Charlie seems to have that natural talent, plus better training and better fitness from his father. Um, absolutely insane, the ability in that kid. Um, like I say, he, he was crushing the adults. Most of the adults out there, he was crushing them. Like I said, a shot no one would try. I don't think Tiger tried it. He tried it and dropped it within five feet of the pin. Um, absolutely spectacular. Uh, that kid can play. And for, for, for sports fans in general, especially golf fans, it was cool to see Tiger on the links. Um, there was moments he had Tiger moments. There was moments he looked like a dad playing golf. Um, but it was very fun to see him back on the links. Like I said, it was incredibly cool to see Charlie doing some of the exact motions. Uh, standing on the club, they had the exact same pose, but Charlie did it the opposite way. Um, Charlie hit a shot and spun the club how Tiger used to do it and just slide in his hand. Um, I mean, it was like it was some mimic. Was, they showed Tiger a compilation video of it. And all he could do was chuckle because it looked like he was looking in a mirror. Um, the exact same mannerisms. They both had the red shirts. They both did different things in typical Tiger fashion. Uh, Charlie did it right along with them. So it was pretty cool to see. Probably the coolest moment of the past couple of weeks in sports. Um, but that is all we have for today. I thank you guys for joining me during this Christmas holiday. I uh, hope you guys have a happy holiday. You get all the gifts you want. Um, you know, for all my uh, different people out there, I hope you guys have a great holidays. Um, be safe out there. And you guys have a great rest of your day. This is your host, Justin Jackson, signing out.